Today's episode of Atlanta Zone is brought to you by an actual real place in Atlanta, and we're just going to give them some free publicity. Do you like chicken wings that are baked, not fried? Do you like $4 pitchers of Miller High Life? Do you also like to wait for four hours for said chicken wings while you drink said pitchers of beer? Check out Jack's Pizza. It's uh, Inman Park off North Highland. And uh, generally, if you go there enough times, the waiters have a scheme where they'll like just bring you pitchers of beer and say this one's on them. But really, they know you're just going to tip them better. It's kind of a win-win situation for all. So you should totally check out Jack's Pizza, North Highland Pub. Hopefully, we don't get somehow sued for this ad. No, there's no monetary value from this for us. We don't make any money. And their pizza's pretty damn good, as long as you want to wait for two and a half hours. No, it really is amazing pizza, amazing wings, and a $4 pitcher of beer. That's not a special. It's every day of the week. We, it's my favorite place in Atlanta. It's pretty spectacular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's all the inside schemes that they have. Yes. Let's start the show. What's up, Atlanta sports fans? My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone, two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky-ass hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's, uh, it's going, man. No complaints over here. Thursday night, going on a bachelor party tomorrow. Very fair. Asheville, we're staying in a hostel, which will be very interesting. It'll be about 10 guys, uh, 300 square feet. Yeah, it's... Uh, the total group is 16 guys. 16 guys. Which, 200 square feet. Which is a huge group, but there's Team Hostel and Team Hotel. Oh. I was obviously Team Hostel. Save some money. Yeah, we're going to be, I'm going to be very uh, be loud about yeah. how proud I am about being Team Hostel yeah. versus uh, Team More Expensive Hotel. You're going to be sweaty and naked with 10 other men. That's the plan. Very good. Well, that's best case scenario, yeah. of course. <laughs> uh, but yeah, doing good. Uh, we got some weird things going on in Atlanta sports right now, but indeed powering through that. Yeah. What's going on with you? Well, I'm just sort of thinking a lot about this, Life. this uh, impending Super Bowl rematch and how we were supposed to be um, eh, 5-0. and Yeah, I think I threw that, that out there a few times. Yeah. And how I am, are we ready to officially hit the panic button on the Falcons? Well, according to what I said on the last episode, where I, I believe I said if we lose to the Dolphins, then I'm going to go into panic mode. But I've thought through it a little more. No. The logical side of me came out a little bit. If we... So we got Patriots and Jets the next two games, correct? Correct. So if we lose... If we go 1-1 one and one in those games, we're 4-3, and three, correct? Yes. Which is the same record... We were last year. We were four and three at one point last year. Yes, and also a loss like that. The Bills lost. I mean, that was bad. You lose Julio Jones. You lose Sanu. They don't come back. It's not part of the plan. Bills have a good defense. You screwed up. Yeah, the Dolphins lost. I mean, that was bad. Yeah, bad all around on both the offense and defensive sides of the football. Um, very undisciplined play. Lots of penalties. 
Um, seems like the Dolphins really got in our head and brought out the worst in us. Yeah, it was, a, it was an ugly loss, but we had a loss like that last year as well against the Chiefs at home. At least that game was close, and it was against a team that it was okay for them to beat you. Yeah, but that jump-started our season, that loss. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that this is going to do the same thing. I mean, it could. It could. I just, like, there is, in terms of all the things that bother me about the team right now, the, the thing that bothers me the most is the lack of killer instinct. This sort of, and Ricardo Allen himself said this, and I think a presser, or it was a couple of days after the game, I can't remember. But he said, it seemed like guys, when we got up 17 nothing, were starting to relax. And well, yeah, so, I mean, it's, uh, that's the Super Bowl shit. Yeah, and I, what I, well, you know, you're sort of seg- segueing into my next point is that after that Super Bowl choke, the biggest choke, one of the biggest choke jobs in the history of sports. I mean, let's not, let's not bullshit around here or candy coat it for anybody. After that, why in the hell would this team, why would anyone with any lead ever feel like it's safe? Ever feel like I can, I can, I can breathe. I can, I can relax a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you, even if you're looking at lethargic and sleepy and don't give a shit Jay Cutler on the other side of the uh, sidelines. The, the, you still got to wake up and just hammer it down their throats, man. That's the thing. And especially on, you know, on the offense. It was like a, you know, especially on the offensive side of the ball in the, in the second half. You couldn't get anything going. And um, even that last drive, you could just kind of feel it like something bad was going to happen. You know, you got this botched punt that happened, right, where um, we turned the ball over, and then, of course, you had the Grady Jarrett penalty on what should have been Deion Jones' second yeah, pick of the game. That that one hurt. Um, and I know he said that he thought the call was um, where he hit the quarterback in the head, and not that he hit him too late, but he hit him way too late. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I don't know, like, and and it's easy for us to say here, two white guys sitting on a couch for the – a blue snowball microphone. Not even a couch, a futon. A futon, yeah. We're not even that good to sit. We're not even worthy <laughs> of sitting on a couch to say that. But it's just like, that was one of those plays you watch, and you're just like, how the hell don't you pull up? Well, you know what happened there is Grady watched the terrible Clemson loss to Syracuse oh. two days earlier, so he was still a little pissed off about that one, and that's why he had to hit Jay Cutler. Yeah, I had to let his, let his anger out a little so bit. So that's understandable. I feel you there, Grady. No. Um more bad missed tackles, especially from uh, Duke Riley. And I think we're getting to the point now where we're, you, know, you got to ask yourself, do you bench him? Do you, do you try to make a change? Or do you play him sort of in a rotation with some, another player? But at the same time, who, who do you replace him with? There's not really much to go with there. I didn't notice Duke that much. Was he? he had still, missing, still missing tackles. Yeah. Um, it's like he's able to get to the ball. Right, it's not an issue of him getting to the ball. It's just an issue of him executing the play once he gets there. Like he, his speed is off the charts. It's just a matter of, you know, actually making the tackle. No, I don't think you bench him. Think you let him try and play through it. Yeah, I mean, similar to what our young linebackers were like last year, early early in the year. So he's gonna. I mean, you just gotta hope he's gonna figure it out, man. Yeah, I, I, I hope. Do so we have better good. options? We really don't. We yeah. really don't, and. There's one guy on the practice squad they were talking about um, this week in the media, but I just, I don't know. You know, especially going up against this this lethal Patriots offense, even with all their injuries, they're still the best one of the best offenses in the league. It's, it's kind of concerning. But back to the Dolphins game, it's just kind of like 
you know, you blow a lead like that. I know this team is different from the Super Bowl team, but you got to think that this sort of, I don't even know if it brings up the hangover effect, but it seems like we always have had issues holding leads, and this predates the uh, Dan Quinn era. You know, it makes me think, you know, 17-0 was the same score we were up on the, uh, the 49ers in the 2013 uh, NFC Championship game. Totally different thing, but it's just kind of like the stigma around the organization where get these leads and we just can't hold them. I don't know if it's just like a conditioning thing, because you could tell, like... The uh, defense wears down in the second half. I was just watching, like, Jay Ajayi. Ajayi? How do you pronounce his name? Ajayi, I think. Ajayi. Sorry, Jay, if you ever listen to this. Jay Ajayi. Ajayi. Anyways, the Dolphins running back. I mean, once he, he was just running downhill. Yeah. And once I saw that in the second half, I was like, oh, we are screwed, man. Like, there's... There's no coming back from this one. Yeah. They can do whatever they want. No, it's it's certainly rough. Although we did have our opportunity at the end. Yeah, we did. We did. And I don't... I just... I mean, I had the sense that he was going to... I mean, I don't think it's 100% Matt's fault for that pick. No, I don't think it was either. It was it was a tight throw. But I feel like it's definitely changed the past couple of years from... Like, early in Matt's career, he was Matty Ice. And you yeah. could just, like... You had the feeling, oh, he's going to pull this out. But now, now it's the opposite. I'm just like, somehow we're going to have a big turnover. Big interception. And it's going to get blown. It's just weird how that's changed over the years. Yeah. Despite uh, us being a lot better team than we were back then. Right. Somehow right. That, that clutch factor is not there. Yeah. I'm also worried about our run defense. It seems like we're giving up a lot of um, a lot of yards. And, and guys are getting up, running backs are getting up the field on us. Is Don Terry Poe the next Tyson Jackson? I, you know, it just seems like he's a ghost. We got to stop bringing in these D linemen from the Chiefs. I really, you know, I didn't have any hope in Tyson Jackson, but I had a lot of a lot of hope for Don Terry Poe. Maybe it's these Chiefs uh, defensive tackles because yeah. Jackson came from the Chiefs as well. Well, it's like how Coppola would pull it over with the Diamondbacks, this Chiefs GMs killing us. With well, these the funny tackles. part is, is that they weren't trades; they were free agent signings. So. Mm. Plot twist. Maybe in retrospect, or not in retrospect, but maybe the Chiefs GM is like he knows. I, I know it's like this is there's a reason why he, he knows when guy. to pull the plug. Yeah, and um, so yeah, I mean, you know, you look at a, a, a Jaya who hasn't gotten anything going on the ground. Who you know, the Dolphins have had a really questionable you know defensive line. You know, he rushes for 130 yards on. Him. I mean, he's he's a good running. He's back. a good running back, but we shouldn't be giving up the, those kinds of against a, a piss poor offensive line. We shouldn't be giving up those those kinds of numbers. Well, another thing I want to ask is, speaking of running backs, why weren't we running the ball more than 19 times? Well, it seemed like you know we were getting kind of shut down. I would say until Devontae broke that 44 yard run. So the running game wasn't really working. The passing game wasn't, you know, couldn't really get in a rhythm, especially in the second half. We had that one nice deep ball to Marvin Hall, which was really great to see. But other than that, it was just like that second half, it was, it was as if someone had uh, fed the Falcons uh, Chinese buffet and then sent them back out in the field. I mean, it was like no rhythm on offense. And the only mm. time we ever really got a rhythm going in the second half was that last drive. And even then, it was just kind of like you just – Felt in your gut that something bad was going to happen. Yeah, it was. That was rough, man. Yeah, it was a bad game all around. Um, I think another, we got to move on though. Got to move on because if you keep thinking about this and you're going into Foxborough, regardless of how bad their defense is, and their defense is atrocious. Oh, it's bad. But and their their secondary is banged up. They're down three three uh, three members of their secondary. But we play like this again. We will get our. We will get. We will get beaten twenty eight to three. 
and and you know I I don't really have any expectations for this game going in, but you got to think the Falcons are going to get up for this game. This yeah, is the I ultimate mean, revenge game. We play like shit. If if we haven't gotten a wake up call after the last two weeks, then Quinn's lost the team. He's lost the team as far as I'm concerned. And for the love of God, can we get Julio Jones some more targets? You know who had more targets than Julio Jones on Sunday? Austin Hooper and Taylor Gabriel. That is bullshit. I mean, it, it's bullshit. You can't just look at that target number. Like it's in general, Julio only I, has. I mean, it, what do you want? So, I mean, if he's force hitting into Julio, you're you gonna force you're gonna it. you're gonna be screaming and saying you can't force it. You can take what no. the defense gives you. Man. No, but Adam, you gotta think about it. There are other receivers in this league who are just like you know. We put Julio in the top three receivers in the league. Yep. So you got Julio, and this is in any order, Julio, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr. I was going to say AJ AJ Green. Green is also in that list. He's a top five guy. They have tons more targets than Julio does. And they have to deal with the same kind of coverage week in and week out, and we just can't seem to get him enough targets in general. And I don't want to hear that they're playing him, that they're playing him tough. It's like, even, once again, predating the Quinn era... He never seems to finish with enough targets as a number one wide receiver with that kind of talent. And you know how many red zone targets he has this year? I want you to take a guess. Two. One. He has one fucking red zone target. Yeah. So like, why can't we get him the ball when Antonio Brown's getting 100 yards every game, when Odell Beckham's getting 130 yards a game and two well, touchdowns? What do you think the deal is? I really don't know. I really don't know. I don't know if it's this game. Is it a game plan thing? Is it a Matt Ryan thing? Is it a Julio's not getting as open thing? I'm not really sure. But when I see that Hooper and Gabriel getting more targets than Julio Jones, that is very concerning, regardless of the fact that the Dolphins have a, have a solid secondary. I don't get it. you got to figure out a way to get the guy the ball. You have to more than you're getting him right yeah, now. You're right. Antonio Brown, 10 targets. Yeah, look at AJ that. AJ Green, 13 targets. Yeah. And they're facing tough defenses. But our- Everybody's got to... Well, that's the other kicker for this year so far is we've faced four top ten defenses. Yeah, and that's and that and that's so certainly that, that is plays hard. a factor. And, so, and I know if, Julio, if if this happens against New England's terrible yeah. defense, then I can buy onto that. But I'm not gonna completely. I am very concerned that we're, we're not. This is one of the best receivers in the National Football League, a future Hall of Famer. If he keeps playing like this, and we cannot get him. And he, he has no touchdowns. He has one red zone target. We're not getting, and we only gave him seven targets last week. You need to be targeting him double digits every game. We have a lethal offense with multiple weapons, and we should be able to give him the ball more. There's no excuse for this. I don't give a shit what. I don't Ed think. Says. I don't think the issue is in the red zone. It's not even just the red zone. It's also, I agree. It's also just like why can't we get this guy in a position where he can score touchdowns? I agree. Well, where we can get him more targets so we can score more. Like that play against Green Bay last year where he like caught that like 20-yard pass and then broke one. Like why can't we set up plays like that anymore? It just seems like the offense is very timid and is full of shit. I mean, Sarkeesian, he's definitely not as good as Shanahan right now. Right now. And right that now. may take some time, but it's just... But it's similar to what Shanahan was in his first year. It's, it's kind of like... And Sarkeesian's not an idiot. Like he realizes he has a really good wide receiver. Uh, yeah, you hope so. I'm pretty sure he does. Like, we need to put all emphasis in this game with that secondary that we're facing with three guys who are injured, who are out, their starters, to sling it. We need to sling the ball. We need to put 
Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman in the backfield at the same time, have them going out in the flats constantly. We need Julio running post patterns. We need Gabriel in the screen game and Marvin Hall in the deep game. Let's just unleash everything that we possibly can at these guys through the air. And yeah, you can run it, but their secondary is so bad that you, we, you know, I would be fine with Matt Ryan throwing the ball 40 times in this game because you can bet your ass that the Patriots are going to score some points. This is going to be a shootout. And if we want to stay in it, we better pass the ball with efficiency and not this timid bullshit we've been seeing the last couple of weeks. I'm done with this. I'm on board. We're too man. fucking talented to be playing like this. I'm on board. So it'll be a, uh, a hell of a game. I still say we don't freak out. It's, yeah. I'm very excited about this game, though. Yeah. If we. 30 prime time. Yeah. If we come out and win this game, I feel like we can make some of this season. If we lose and we lose badly, if we lose like we've lost to the Dolphins and Bills, we're, I think we're officially in trouble. I heard uh, somebody on. Can't remember which show it was. Might have been Stakey on six eighty. Was he fan. talking about uh, what he did this weekend or Atlanta Eats? <laughs> well, uh, before or after the statement, but the statement was pretty funny. He was talking about how uh, you know New England keeps putting up on their scoreboard before games twenty eight three. Oh yeah. And he was like, so if at the end of the game the Falcons are on like the four yard line and the score is twenty eight to three, do they kneel it? But <laughs> we're winning twenty eight right. I would hope so, just to shove it up in their faces again. Oh, like we don't want to score again, right? To keep the scoreboard twenty-eight three. Yeah, it's like that, you got, you guys had it up there at the beginning yeah, of the game. That's, that's a beautiful. We'll, we'll keep it like that. It's a beautiful thought, but not probably not realistic. Probably not realistic. Um, maybe this is the game Tom Brady gets old. Well, you know what? That's the thing too about the Patriots, right? Is that you know they are uh, they haven't looked good. They got bailed out on a bullshit call against the Jets. They should have lost that game. Yep. The Tampa Bay game the week before was really rough. Tom Brady took a bunch of hits. Their offensive line doesn't look too good. The Saints beat them? No, Tampa Bay beat them. Oh, they beat the Saints? They crushed the Saints in week one or two or whenever that was. Oh, sure. Um, but, you know, these are two teams who are uh, who are kind of reeling right now. I mean, I know the Patriots have won the last two games, but it doesn't feel like they have, and we've looked like shit, so... I think both teams will have a uh, have a lot to prove here. Yep, everyone wants to make a statement. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. I will say this though: I I, I might mute the television because I don't want to hear Chris Collinsworth talk about how great Tom Brady is and how terrible, what a wasted opportunity the Falcons twenty eight to three. You gotta be thinking they had that Super Bowl hangover, and it's gonna be tough to go out on the football field and try to win this football game against the. Uh, Goddamn New England Patriots. I'm getting mad just hearing you say it. Because you're right. It's going to happen. It's all they talked about in the first game of the year when the Patriots played. And they didn't even play us. And now yeah. think it's going to be doubled now that they're playing us. Yeah. It's going to be rough. So I would recommend muting the game or listening to uh, Wes Durham and Dave Archer <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> 92-9 the game? 92-9 the game. Yeah. That sounds like a better plan. Yeah. Um so yeah, this will be a this will be a, this is a, this is a big this is a season defining game. Yeah. Even if we if we lose and we lose close, I feel okay. If we lose and we lose like we've lost to Bills and, and Dolphins and it's ugly, then then we've, we've got problems. So, I think that wraps up our Falcons segment. I'm ready for this game though, Graham. Oh yeah. After hearing you talk so passionately, yeah. I'm pumped. All right, now moving on from the Falcons. Believe it or not, Graham, it's basketball season already. I feel like it's always basketball season. Even the yeah. summer, you got the damn draft, and you got the summer league. I mean, it never they, goes away. They've moved it up two weeks this 
year. Like the regular season started a lot earlier. Yeah, a lot of people say that the NFL tries to be a year-round sport. I think the NBA beat them to it. Yeah, yeah, NBA is there. Um, so the Hawks, which most people think are going to be the second to worst team in the league, um, in front of the Bulls, they started off last night. And I actually watched pretty much this whole game, and I like what I see, Graham. Yeah. I don't know. Are, are you team? So a lot, I know a lot of Hawks fans want the Hawks to just completely. What's the word where you just tank? Tank. Yes. I know a lot of Hawks fans. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a lot of Hawks fans out there that want the Hawks to just completely tank this year and just go for the number one draft pick next year and what's supposed to be one of the best drafts ever. I just can't get myself to get there. I'm fine with it. Do I need it. to watch some winning basketball, man. I, you know, what's going to happen is is that the talent on this team is not made to win now. You have good a couple of good players. You got Baysmore, you got Schroeder, you got Bellinelli, you got um and John Collins looks looks good. He had a good game last night. Uh definitely going to have his peaks and valleys of being a rookie. But uh, overall, you have you know you have a bad bench, and you have a you have a team with, with limited talent and limited upside. And I think the only two guys that you can say you have a lot of upside are Collins and Schroeder. And you're just not going to compete at a high level in this. You've league clearly of been listening. What you just read it, one ESPN article about the Hawks. I haven't looked at it. You ESPN. forgot about Torian Prince. Oh, of course, Torian Prince. Sorry, Bembry looked really good last he night. Did look I, good. I liked what he had limited minutes, but I liked what I, I saw out all of him. Torian. Torian looked good last night. He made a critical defensive play near the end where he rejected that uh, three pointer. I think by Barnes or somebody. Um, yeah, yeah. Your boy Harrison Barnes struggled. Last yeah, he didn't night. look good. But um, Tar Heel. Yeah, uh, yeah. I forgot about Torian. So you got Torian. De- Deadman looks a lot better than Dwight Howard. Anyone's better than Dwight Howard. In, in case for those that don't remember, and we actually play them again tonight, I believe. Friday night. Or Friday night. Um, when Dwight left, everyone cheered, apparently, in the locker room, which was indicative of their thoughts on Dwight. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be a fun team to watch because you, you don't know what to expect. It's a very young team, and it's sort of like hitting it's hitting the refresh button, but you still got a, a few nice pieces. But so. I, I'm happy to, like, I mean, I know you're a huge Paul guy. Paul oh, Millsap, yeah, he's my but all-time favorite. I'm kind of happy to move on from the Paul Millsap era. It's like you said, it's a fresh start. Yeah, uh, we get to see the young guys play. Like, I mean, seeing Bembry in there for 20 minutes, he didn't touch 20 minutes at all last year. Right, um, he had a lot of good offensive boards last night. Yeah, um, and he plays within himself, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. He's not like an out of control Josh Smith type character or anything right. like that. Yeah. Um, no, but we're gonna obviously they're gonna have struggles, but the offense was phenomenal last night against Dallas on the road. Uh, defense was really rough on pretty much all over the place, but definitely on defending threes. Dallas, that's always been a problem. Bullenhoser's defense, they it's, jacked up like forty five threes, yeah. which is crazy. The thing with with Bullenhoser that's always bugged the hell out of me, even when we had that really good team, was um, it's like he put such an emphasis. It seems like, and I don't know anything about basketball, so this is just me being a, a drunken sports fan. But it seems like all the emphasis is put on if defense is played at all, which, you know, take what you get in the NBA. It's like keeping people sort of out of the paint or not shooting a lot of twos and forcing them to shoot threes. 
And you just have so many open three-pointers, it seems like, against against the Hawks in the Budenholzer era. It just gets kind of frustrating. It's well, like, why can't we be a little more balanced? It's just the NBA now, though. Like, that's the game. With these sabermetrics people have come in and be like, you got to shoot threes all day. And well, that's, yeah, so that's why what's don't we, being done. Why don't we fucking defend it? Well, it's then? not just us. It just seems... It's I, not just a matter of, like, them Maybe not it's just because I pay it. attention more. Because, yeah. I mean, only when I watch NBA, I very rarely watch anything other than the Hawks unless it's, like, a big, you know, primetime game with the super teams. No, it's, like, um, all, it's all over the league. But it's it just, just seems jacking up threes really, left and right. Yeah, it's, yeah, I know that. But it just seems like the defense of, of, of said threes is, is quite poor. Yeah. And it's, it's rough to watch. But, um... So who who are the who are the guys you're looking out for this year to kind of lead the charge in terms of not only leadership but just in terms of our, our top guys that you think? Um, let me rephrase this question because I'm just rambling. So Adam, who do you think are the top guys on the team to watch out for this year in terms of you know positive things that could happen to this basketball team? So I got my my core four. Yeah, is Schroeder, mm-hmm. who we know. I mean, we know he's got the offense there. His defense has always been a question mark and continues to be a question mark, so that's going to be an issue. Yeah. Uh, but the continued development of Torian yeah. and Bembry, and then John Collins. I'm really excited about this kid. Yeah, so John Collins' first ever start in the NBA. He had 14 points coming off the bench, along with five boards, two steals. He was a plus eight overall. And, like, yeah, six of ten from the field, pretty efficient, in only 22 minutes. And, like, he just showed the energy. And it was, I think your boy, uh, Bob Rathman. Yeah. Oh, Bob Rathman. <laughs> hey, Neek. How's it going? I hope you had a great summer. You ready for another uh, fantastic season of Atlanta Hawks basketball? Well, again, Bob, you know, we're going to come out here and watch the Hawks every night and do some in-depth analysis. And I'm going to say again to lead off every sentence. So Bob Rathman pointed out that uh, Collins was the first rookie well, the only rookie to ever score over 12 points since, like, 1990 in his debut. As an Atlanta Hawk? As an Atlanta Hawk. Let's keep that in mind and remember how <laughs> poor of a stat that really is. But, anyways, point is we got some young players that are going to be out there. A little more fun to watch than the terrible basketball we saw last year. But it seemed like um, I missed part of the game the late night of uh, driving back from Mobile, Alabama. Don't ask me why. As one does. As one does every once in a while. And uh, so how how'd the ball movement look in the first half? It's good, man. Yeah. It was moving around. Like, the only time the ball really stopped was when Schroeder was on the court. Yeah. Which is interesting. And, you know, the I'm, bench as a whole was a lot better than the starters. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I think that goes back to, once again, Dennis uh, – you know, this is something to watch out for this year. He takes a lot of shots. You know, he took a lot of shots last year. He attempted 26 field goals last night. Wound up with 28 points. But you look at his, uh, and he had seven assists, so it seems like he had a decently balanced game. But it seems like he's always in shoot first, a shoot-first mentality. And I think especially losing Millsap, that's a little more acceptable this year. Yeah, it's to be expected from Dennis this year. But, I mean, I mean, they went on a huge 10-0 run at the end of the uh, first half. And that's when all the starters were off. And it was, it was like Collins, Muscala, Bembry, Luke Babbitt was out there for nine minutes. And he did a good job. And this guy, Josh McGett, have you heard about him? Mm-mm. So he's he was a pretty good story. He He's like a 27-year-old rookie. He's been in the D-League for like seven or eight years. Yeah, And he got in for four minutes. 
and like did a good job. He made his one three. He was moving the ball around, mm-hmm. and like I don't think we're gonna see him often, but it's just something to be said for that all happened with Schroeder on the bench. Yeah, and I think that's great too. I mean, you look at the the, the bench numbers: fifty seven points uh, from the bench last night, which is outstanding. Twenty from Bellinelli. Yeah, Bellinelli was on fire. So I mean, he had some absurd shots though. Yeah, like I mean, he was he was hot. So it was a heat check for sure. That's a heat check for Marco. But like some of these threes, he were jacking up. It was like it was me if I was just like trying to throwing up over some guy who was 6'10". One of those last shots of the game in the fourth quarter, he did that. That, that was the one, yeah. yeah that yeah. was the one. Um, but he's going to be an instant offense guy, so yeah. he's definitely a good guy to have in the squad. So who uh, who, who concerns you on, on the Hawks this year heading into the season? Who concerns me, eh? Urson. He had a rough game. <laughs> yes, but in general, does, does he can, like... I don't know. There's not one guy that stands out. Like Schroeder, I guess Schroeder concerns me just with his defense. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the ball stopping in his hands. Yeah. As far as like a guy who's going to be in our core. Right. Schroeder's got to step it up. He's going he's gonna to have a great stat line, 28 points, 7 assists every time. Oh. But I need to see more out of him than just that. Yeah. He needs to play, you know, complete his game in a sense. Yeah. I want to see him definitely move the ball more. And stop trying to be an, uh, an isolation guy as much. It's okay to do it every once in a while, but to do it as much as he did it last night, from what I heard and what I saw in the fourth quarter, you know, you want to see you want to see more ball movement, especially in the Mike Bullenhoser uh, run scheme, because when the ball's moving, it's very hard to stop. Um, I'd say one guy that definitely concerns me this year is Kent Bazemore. Um, mm. You know, he had a very disappointing season yeah, last I year, about Kent. especially after that big extension. He's back in the starting lineup. Uh, once again, I had a very disappointing stat line. Uh, it was a negative five overall and only had seven points and um, three assists and four boards. And, you know, he, he he shot poorly last year. He never seemed to really get it together, was benched often. And I think hey, in this season, um, I hope we can figure out a way to move him because I, I, I think, I don't know, I, I it, it's, it's, it's frustrating when you pay a guy that much, which I guess isn't that much now in the NBA with how much some of these players are making, but... He was kind of supposed to be the next 3 and D guy, the sort of successor to Damari Carroll, and just hasn't panned out. Um, once he got the contract, it seems like everything's just sort of falling apart for him. And he was never, like, a great player, but we kind of paid him, like, an almost great player. And it was just, at least at the time, and it's just been frustrating to watch. He was a good player for the contract that he had at the time. Yeah, and he was a solid guy Before off the bench, paid. you know, who could put up double-digit scoring, play Athletic. solid defense. And now it seems like he's been thrust in the starting lineup and is this, in this new role that is just not... It's just not for him. That's not where his game excels. And so I think I'm concerned about him moving forward in the starting lineup. No, that's fair. Yeah, that's the number one guy. Good point, Graham. Yeah, thank you. I forgot about Bayes. Um, in terms of, uh, I guess, overall sort of predictions on the season, what are you What are you thinking? Ooh, uh, so I've, I've never been one to bet on sports like I know you are. Mm-hmm. But I almost threw down a lot of money on the Hawks over under for the year. What's that? 25 and a half. 20 high, wins? Wins. Might be worth it. Might be worth it. I think. Can you still make that bet like once the season starts out? Yeah, I think so. You just got to figure out uh, where you're going to do your business. Like I was going to put down like a grand or something like that. They're going to win more than 25 games. That would be really interesting to watch. You should do that. You should do that. Yes. 
Like I said, I'm not one to ever bet. Already, I feel like that's one. an easy bet. I mean, that's that's possible. But I'd only <laughs> win like seventy seven hundred fifty bucks doing that, and I don't no. know if that's worth it. Yeah, it's up to you, sir. Well, then I was like, well, maybe I'll throw down like ten thousand dollars. Jesus, take out a loan. <laughs> take out a loan <laughs> on the Hawks. Taking taking out a loan to bet—that's good financial think, advice. Right? Yes, and I think when you're betting uh, five figures on an Atlanta sports team. I think that's a very, very, very <laughs> solid uh, investment, which you're sure to recoup. After watching one game. Yeah. After watching one game, you're like, oh, we beat the shitty Mavericks. So I'm going to bet $10,000 on the Hawks to get their over-under. God, um, I would lose <laughs> all my hair by the end of the year. Yeah, exactly. And, and more than that. It'd be fun to follow for other people, though. Oh, sure. Um, might get us some good publicity. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> uh, but overall, so you think we'll exceed 25 wins? You I think do. You think you're in the 30 range? I, I think we'll probably be like an eight seed, and everyone's going to be really pissed off about it. I will be upset if that happens, because yeah. this, like last year's draft was good. This year's draft looks even better <coughs> on paper. So this is the time, and, we, and we, we screwed this up back when we drafted Marvin Williams in uh, 05. Uh, this is your next. This is the next. You know, your first time in a decade where you really get a shot at, you know, a, a top tier talent. And I guess you know Al Horford was the third overall pick, and I, you know, I think Al panned out very well, but it was, certainly wasn't a superstar. But now is a chance I think where you can actually go get one. You can go get one, and I would love to be in the lottery and have that have that shot. I guess just make sure you're in the lottery. That's fair. Yeah, I can't full on tank, man. I know you. I know it's hard to do. And, and it'll be rough to watch, but I, I think this team probably winds up with twenty to twenty-five wins in that range. I think Vegas is 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 pretty on the the money. I don't think we're going to be like as bad as those Sixers teams. And I think you know we have you have enough individual talent. I mean, the Sixers teams are last few years, but I think you have enough individual talent with a guy like Schroeder that can help you win a few more basketball games than you'd think with this with this team. Yeah, and you got a couple of vets thrown in there that... Yeah, with like Bellinelli and... Uh, Ilyasova. Ilyasova. And you know, those guys... Babbitt's can, not yeah, garbage. You, you can't expect Bellinelli to put up 20 points every night, but... Um, Which he won't. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think, you know... It, it'll be something to watch. And like, at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if we did sneak in to get an 8-seed or 7-seed. I mean, the East, the East is the East. It is every year. Yeah. It's not very good. So it's it's certainly possible that that could happen, um, but I, I see we're in like the twenty five range, twenty to twenty five wins um, is sort of what I'm thinking. Um, and I think Schroeder puts up. Um, I think he's going to average twenty points this year because he's going to be you know him shooting twenty five times a game. I think it's going to keep happening. So I yeah. think that's my other prediction is he's going to average twenty points. Is he going to be an all star? I don't think he's going to be an all-star. And I think Torian Prince will get in double digits, and we're going to start seeing signs of him sign up for a big third year in the NBA where he's going to, he's going to sort of hopefully become our mini Kawhi Leonard. That's my hope. Mm. You got any other individual player predictions? Um, no. <laughs> no. And I will add one more thing. My trade of the year. Will be Kent Bazemore. We will we will shed ourselves with Kent Bazemore. Yeah, it's gonna. I mean, you're not gonna get shit for him. Well, I'd rather get shit for him than have him keep playing for us. You really hate Kent Bazemore. He just does nothing for me. He's overpaid and he doesn't. Does, well, he take the contract. Take the contract away. 
would you like him on your lineup at least? I'd like him on the bench. I think yeah, he's a good bench that's guy. That's fine. I think he played better off the bench when he came off the bench last year after the, he was bench. The contract is what it is. You got to move past that. Yeah, I just, I just it's not I, like he's the worst player in the NBA. No, I just, I just want him gone. Better than having Dwight Howard. Yeah. I don't really see the difference other than that Kent isn't a uh, cancer in the locker room. That's about it. You're not a fan of the Bay's gaze? No. I think it's silly and distracts from, oh, he has the Bay's gaze, so we'll forgive him when he puts up four points and, and two rebounds in 35 minutes. Graham, I don't think you've said one positive thing on this whole show. That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't really think of any times when I was positive, <laughs> but I still think it's bullshit. Okay. The the users will, will will set you free. They'll know the truth after after this episode's out. Speaking of negativity, we're going to move on to the Braves now. Oh yeah. So last week, uh, for those in case you missed it, our good friend Hugo from Tucker, um, loyal user, said, "Hey, don't let this uh, GM bullshit with Coppola distract you from uh, you know from going back." to look at your predictions, which were terrible, pretty much. I'm paraphrasing Hugo, but, y- you know. And so we were like, oh, okay. And so we actually did listen to our uh, Brave season preview. And uh, we'll have some, some fun things to talk about there. Yeah, I'm only going to pull out... Our predictions really weren't that terrible. We kind of knew where we were going to be. Overall, we said we are going to win. Both Graham and I agreed 80 wins was a possibility. Yep. Pushing for a wild card. That was our yes. That was our overall season long prediction. Yeah. And we ended Which, up we what? ended up at seventy two and we were technically pushing for wild card at the all star break. So we weren't totally wrong. So I'll take that. Yep. So that's that's not bad. But I'm just gonna go into the worst of the worst for these predictions. Okay. So Graham, you said Dansby would hit two eighty with twenty steals and double digit home runs. Graham, would you care to read what his actual stat line was? Sure. He had uh, hit for a solid 232 and was below 200 for like the first two months of the season. Six homers, 51 runs bad in, and a 312 on base percentage. And having a 312 on base percentage is like hitting 200. So, did you predict? Not hitting 200, but hitting pretty much what he's hitting. Did you predict that he would be sent down to AAA? I did not. I said he was uh, going to be a franchise cornerstone. Yeah, your your <laughs> actual quote was he could be our Jeter and win five World Series. Yeah, I, I don't think I meant it <laughs> out of con, you know, out of context. That sounds bad. I said he could be. I think at some point, or was it just like, was I saying that like that wasn't going to happen this year? Obviously, it's but, a little out of context. Yeah, it's a little out of context, sure. but it's 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 it's. Uh, I said he would be a keeper in my fantasy baseball league. Clearly not. I dropped him by like May. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what else we got here? You were not a big Brandon Phillips fan. I was not? No. You said he could be ugly. Oh, I was <laughs> way off on that. You did say he was going to be a mentor for Dan's being Ozzy, which is, which is fair. somewhat fair. It's a terrible prediction, but that's fair. I believe this was my quote. I said... Perhaps he'll he'll have a hell of a first half from Phillips. Ozzy is ready, but we aren't a playoff team and trade him off for prospects, which I called a Coppola special, mm-hmm. which happened. Yeah. We didn't really get anyone noteworthy, but of course, Brandon Phillips is 38 years, 36 years old. Yeah. So, so you get what you get. We'll take that. Yeah. And he actually did have, I thought, a really nice season for us overall. Um, 
I can't remember what what we said. You you did say he could hit around. You're like the guy can hit. Yeah, he could hit around two ninety or so. Which is pretty close, two eighty five. Yeah, and I, mean, uh, I you know once again he didn't get on, he wasn't didn't have a great on base percentage, but I mean the guy hit, got on base, seemed to be a good clubhouse guy. Um, you're actually right out on that. You said he was going to have a bad on base percentage. Yeah, he just doesn't walk anymore. Yeah, the man does not walk anymore. So. Defense is good though. Yeah, I know he's solid defense, and he he moved to third base when he needed to, and, and and did what he had to, even though I'm sure he didn't want to play third base. And um, I hated seeing him go just because it was uh it was a pleasure watching him play the game. That was a sweet. It's a sweet fucking swing that guy has. Yeah. Here's another uh, batter, Matt Kemp. Want to pull up his stat I, line I, real I th- quick? I think we uh, said he was going to be an absolute monster. Getting a hundred RBIs and all that shit. Right. Yeah, you said twenty bombs from Kemp. I only said twenty. Yeah, I guess I was You're pretty reasonable. close. Oh, good on you, Yeah, nineteen. But you definitely squawking about how he was going to be the big protector for Freddie that we've always needed. But in fairness to you, hopefully his defense doesn't hurt us that much, and his defense definitely hurt us that much. Yeah, it was it was bad, and uh, you really look like really see how he tapered off. Uh, over the course of the season, started out red hot, hit 320 in April, 357 in May, setting bombs. He had 10 home runs the first two months of the season, and then after that, it was just really sad. Um, only had nine home runs over June, July, August, and September, and his average just plummeted. He hit 270, I think, on the year, but each month after May, it just got worse, and except for August. But I mean, God. What a, what a forgettable season. Yeah. He couldn't yeah. stay healthy. It seemed like he gained all his weight back. That was rough. That's my goal for the offseason for the Braves is to move him. Oh, I thought you meant uh, to lose some weight. I don't care about that. <laughs> Maybe the I would prefer the Braves trade Matt Kemp for Kent Bazemore. Oh, yeah. yeah I think like a pinch runner at least. At least, yeah, at least he'd be a he little He could probably faster. play some outfield. Yeah, he'd probably cover more ground than that. Yeah, he's an athlete. Yeah. So that's... Maybe we can work that one out. Uh, another one that you were correct in, mm-hmm. you hated Adonis Garcia. Yes, Adonis. Adonis. Yeah, he did nothing. Uh, me, on the other hand, I'm an idiot and can't see past his batting average and power potential. He didn't even really have that good of a batting average. Well, he hit like 280 the year before. Yeah, I knew that was going to be reg- reg- regression station right there. He couldn't. He was another guy that couldn't really stay healthy, under three hundred on base percentage. Just had nothing going for him, nothing so, at all. Yeah, you're on. You're on top of that one. You said he's a stopgap to Rio Ruiz or whoever. Yep. So good on you, Graham. The one you were way off on, Tyler Flowers. That man had a good season. You thought he was. You kept hating on his age, despite him being thirty-one years old. Well, you know that. that that's not that old. I know, but for a catcher, that's where you start to decline as an offense player a little bit. Getting the thirties, a lot of you know, you put a lot of innings on those legs. So you're sticking to that one, huh? Yeah. Even if, even though he's been like a backup catcher his entire career. True. True. And you really hated uh, the thing. My that, boy Kurt Suzuki. Well, I'll say this about well. Flowers: the thing that blew me away was his on base percentage. Man, almost a hundred points higher than his batting average, which is fantastic, and almost you know almost at a three eighty on base percentage. I mean, that's. That is really good. That is really good. So he had a very nice season with some timely hits. I had something else on the catch. Yeah, Kurt Suzuki. And that, that, that catching tandem was, was pretty solid. I don't really have many complaints there. Kurt Suzuki was like Mr. Clutch there in the summer. 
Yeah, so I'd made some off-the-wall um, comment saying that Suzuki switching to the NL would help him, very similar to how it helps pitchers, mm-hmm. which was a stretch, and you said that was nonsense. Um, you said that catching is going to be our black eye and a complete embarrassment, and I said it'd be a pleasant surprise. And sure enough, I think we had like the third most home runs from our catching position, catching position in the entire league. I call that a pleasant surprise. Oh yeah, definitely. Catching was uh, was a, was fun to watch this year. Yeah. Then we really flubbed it on the pitching. And you did most of the research there. I just want to point that out. Yeah. I said Jim Johnson's a proven commodity. <laughs> Ian Kroll, a bright spot. Shit. <laughs> Eric O'Flaherty. I, th- I think you pulled this one, this stat. 55 innings pitched. No, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> 55 innings pitched at a sub 3.2 ERA. That, Which did, that didn't happen. No. Right? Yeah. No. Uh, you also made fun of the Padres for Julio Chassin being their starting pitcher. Uh, yes. And he was like an all-star. Yeah, he pitched pretty well. <laughs> we would have definitely take t- oh, taken sure. him back. Yeah. Um, uh, the one thing you did get correct, yeah. pat your back for this one, yeah. Nationals win the East and lose in the playoffs. Yes. <laughs> that might have been the most satisfying thing I ever watched was that last game against the Cubs. Where they had the lead and brought in Scherzer, and then he blew it, and it was just back and forth. It was a disgusting, ugly game, and then Bryce Harper strikes out to win the game. I've I've said it again, Bryce. I've said it to you a million times at the games. I'll say it again. Where's your ring, you little punk? Because that is what he said once they signed Scherzer. They have not won a single playoff series. Have not. Before or after. Yeah, they got to really figure it out. The now. window is closing. Yeah, on Yeah, no, it's it's closed. Guys are leaving now. Yeah. I, I love that shit. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. So it was fun looking over those uh, predictions again, especially on the pitching side. You know, Jim Johnson, just a f- fucking free fall. I was way off. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we got to get rid of Jansen as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Kroll was the worst pitcher on the team. He made Jim Johnson look like Cy Young to me. Yeah. Every time he came into the game, it was just either home run or two runs were given up. It was disgusting. Trash. And to be honest, I couldn't even get myself to listen to the starters because we all know how that went. I was predicting Tehran to be go back to being a stud. He Bartolo, did. I thought was just going to be solid. Yeah. Um, Jaime did. Garcia was he was he good was okay. For us. He was okay. Um, um, Fulty made a leap, so that's yeah. fair. Yeah, it was okay. It was just consistency from anyone in the rotation. It just seemed like it was hard to come by. Um, Tehran started to get his shit together in the second half of the season but still had a couple of bumpy starts. Yeah. So hopefully he can figure that out over the offseason. But, yeah, the rotation, the pitching staff as a whole was was, was the real black eye on, on the team this year. Either the bullpen, the bullpen was a dumpster fire outside of, like, this guy, you know, had a decent season. Jose Ramirez was okay. And it was cool to see A.J. Minter. But um, pitching as a whole, eh. Not what you're looking for. Yeah. So we'll take a couple weeks off from the Braves, wait till after the World Series, and that's, see what happens with Copy and this whole situation. Well, that's what Terry McGurk said, and for those of you that don't know, he's kind of like the, the proxy from Liberty uh, Media, who owns the Braves. And he said, yeah, pretty much after the World Series, we'll figure all this stuff out. There's also rumors of, of Coppola suing the Braves. Um, yeah, so it's messy. Yeah. But we're not, let's not go into all that. Yeah, we'll, we'll go into that when we need to. Um, I think that wraps up this week's show. Um, 
Thank you again. For Once me. again, unfortunately, we don't have time to discuss the Atlanta United. Yeah, sorry, guys. Just didn't make the cut. Yeah. Maybe so. maybe we'll have a playoff preview with uh, user Arthur Roach. Uh, We've been talking about that for a few weeks now. A so. few months. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> and, uh, but, yeah, thank you for making us part of your day or night. And uh, rise up this weekend. And hospitality soon.